someone had asked me like what's your experience been in postpartum and I think the best way to sum it up it's honestly the best job with the least amount of training because <laughs> you just walk into it and like no one trains you on this and like you just have to do it and you just have to figure it out and you do you do eventually figure it out but you know you, we don't really get training on how to do this that and the other and you just kind of roll with the punches so if whatever your journey is out there know that someone else is probably experiencing the exact same thing and it's perfectly fine and normal. Hi, I'm Claire Goodwin and this is the PCOS Nutritionist Podcast. I have PCOS too and I know how hard it can be to get the help you need. So I bring together my expertise as a registered nutritionist and exercise scientist together with other experts I trust and people with real life lived experience of PCOS to help you get the information you need to make a real difference to your symptoms. I'm super excited to announce the release of our new PCOS management app, Ovi. As someone who has PCOS, I saw firsthand how much hyper-personalized tweaks to my lifestyle had a dramatic impact on solving my PCOS symptoms. As a registered nutritionist and exercise scientist, I saw the same effect for many of my patients. But I also saw that only seeing me once a month or even every few weeks just didn't work for most people. Changing what we eat, how we move, and sometimes the very essence of who we are, like being a perfectionist, is really tricky. And in order to see real change, we need constant support and reinforcement. And we also need tools like recipes, workouts, and cheat sheets right in our pocket. So when we're in the midst of standing in the supermarket aisle, we know what to choose to help support our changes. My PCOS Protocol group program was an amazing start in helping to achieve this, but I knew we could do way better. I knew that we could get even more personalized, convenient, and provide an elevated user experience for you. So this is why I created Ovi, to give you your personalized PCOS pathway that's based off your symptoms and your goals right in your pocket so that you can access it at any time. And not just created by me, but by an incredible team of nutritionists, psychologists, physiotherapists, exercise physiologists, and more. So head over to our website, ov.io, that's O-V-I-E dot I-O, and take the questionnaire. It's completely free, and you'll find out what's driving your PCOS, or what I've formerly referred to as your PCOS root cause. I can't wait for you to be part of the OV community. Samina, so great to talk to you again. It's always an absolute pleasure. So today we're talking about postpartum and PCOS, and this is a great topic for us because we had babies exactly one month apart, which is so funny, and both girls. And so we've got the now the quite good experience of having been through this ourselves, which I think is always great as a practitioner if you can really resonate on a personal level to the yeah. issue that you're talking about but also we're seeing it a lot clinically as well right so um on a personal level anything that you have found postpartum yourself with your because again both, we both have PCOS we've both just had babies we're well I'm nine months postpartum today tomorrow and you're eight months tomorrow yeah. so anything yeah. that you have um found yourself in your own body Oh my gosh, this is <laughs> such a loaded question because every, I think honestly, in the very beginning, every day was like a new day for me. It was like, what's next? Like, what am I going to experience today that's going to be different? And um, I would say everything from changes in weight to fatigue was a big one too, um, to anxiety lots of anxiety honestly like anxiety if I'm doing everything right if you know if um if I'm performing for her as much as I can be is everything going to be okay with her I think I was like the biggest worry wart I would say um at the very beginning and then when time you know kept going on and it got better and better and I do wonder when I look back now is if it was like a direct reflection of my diet too because at the very beginning people were feeding me and I was eating <laughs> I wasn't really able to like really feed myself um you know I was just eating whatever was given to me and it ended up being a lot of carb rich meals which honestly I think I needed at the time but still um I wonder if that kind of played a part in terms of you know my mood but 
Um, yeah, so I would say fatigue, anxiety was a big one. Um, but I've been really lucky in postpartum um, to have such a great experience with uh, my baby and also my body. I feel like it's honestly bounced back pretty nicely. And on, I feel honestly even better than before. Um, yeah, but I definitely really can appreciate what patients go through now and how much this can really change a person's life. And uh, really just trying to learn about myself too in this whole experience, because it is, I think, a life-changing experience having a child for sure. I don't know if you would agree with that, but- Oh, absolutely. My experience. Yeah. 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 I, I found, I, I definitely had the same, the like postpartum anxiety. I would wake up like every night, literally I would wake up like, slapping Scott because I was worried that um I'd accidentally put Flossie into bed with us and we might have smothered her or something like that even though she always slept in her own cot there was no reason for it but Mm. I and I know that lots of people that they do sleep with their child and that's fine but that's not what we were doing but I was still having nightmares and waking up like even though it was not connected at all to what we were doing so for me that was very a quite a clear sign that this wasn't like a rational kind of worry as well mm. this was um yeah like a sort of a mm. real postpartum anxiety which was um which was quite unusual for me hasn't yeah. really me and and luckily has resolved as well um but but yeah I've also been very fortunate that I've had you know a very good sleeping baby we've had um great support and also that I have felt really good throughout so yeah. I've I had good energy levels my um it did take me a while to recover from my cesarean section I would say that Mm. I was still feeling quite tender and swollen four months Mm, months afterwards yeah Yeah. um and I think that was again due to the fact that I mean all literally my entire abdomen had been cut and yep. had to use forceps to get her out as well. Mm. So there's some, some torsion there, but it was a yep. really good um, learning curve for me to not compare myself to anyone else, because I think yep. that on social media, you can, and even I was seeing in my own patient base, people that had babies around the same time as me, and they were all my antenatal group. They were mm. exercising earlier, even though they had also had a cesarean section, whereas I just like absolutely did not feel ready to do anything. Mm. I was walking, I was being active, but in no way did I feel ready to start to do some like rehab exercises that was I was like still really tender and and it was good I was like no I'm not ready I'm not doing it yet yeah that's fine and that's the biggest thing I think in postpartum is like really checking in with yourself and being honest like where are you at right now and is it it is okay to take a break and Mm. take that time and I think it's like it literally forces you to do that and to rethink how you should be treating your body and honestly your life yeah Yeah. definitely Mm -hmm. and how to also we were talking about this a little bit before we started the podcast but that I think that um postpartum teaches you to surrender a little bit that you were saying that you were surrendering to other people feeding you which might not be what you would normally cook for yourself but you needed that at that time you needed the most important thing was just like food rather than like a particular type of food and although um yeah you we kind of have to do that and I was saying the same thing about um about my journey too and having to like really kind of think about what's important and just going you know what this is not a deal breaker it's going to be okay exactly and especially now that when you you really realize as you said it's a life-changing experience that you have very little time to um, do what you used to do. And so you really have to focus on the really important things. Yeah. Yeah. My husband has been home with me too for a lot of the time. Um, And what's so uh, exciting and interesting is that um, we've both come to the realization that we can make a to-do list at the beginning of the day, whether it gets done or not is another question. (laughs) But it's really forced us to be like, okay, what are the top three things? Like even just three things, even if like 50 things are on the list, what are the top three things that we can try to get done today? And if we can get one of the three done, it's like a miracle sometimes. (laughs) So it really just like forces you to surrender to the fact that, you know, life isn't going to be perfect and you can't get everything done and it's okay because this human being is here and you want to really, you know, take care of her before you 
have to take care of yourself really <laughs> and and enjoy and enjoy her right? enjoy it exactly exactly yeah, uh, yeah. and I think that's what I really want to get out of today is to because we um I posted a little poll on Instagram last night about before this conversation because I've had so many requests for information about postpartum and PCOS and I really wanted to do it justice um so I wanted to know exactly what people are struggling with and I was really overwhelmed and emotional at the amount of um, like queries that we got back. Like there was literally hundreds of people that are struggling with this. And so um, while it's all very well to say you want to enjoy this, when you're having symptoms like, you know, like really crippling fatigue and, and you're, you know, you're struggling to get your period back and you've got, you're struggling with weight gain and um, acne and hair loss. And you, you know, you're worried about all these things, then it can be hard to enjoy. It can be hard to kind yeah. of not worry about those things. So that's what I, what we really want to go over today is while there are certainly things that you're going to need to surrender in your life after a baby that you just don't have the time, luxury of time to be perfect with everything. How can we sort of do a be about 80 20 to also get you feeling the best because that's also really important in this conversation too yeah I agree with that for sure it, it doesn't it actually can't be perfect but yeah what can we do to make it better for sure yeah absolutely so some of the things that that came back we'll start from one of the most common which is fatigue so a lot of people said that they were really struggling with fatigue and I think that often this just gets put down to the fact that you have, you're getting less sleep, which I think is true. Like there's a certain degree of that, but there's also, I think there's more going on than just sleep deprivation, right? Yeah, I agree. Honestly, there's so many different causes of fatigue, but especially in postpartum when, again, your life has literally changed. Um, you know, there, sometimes there isn't even time to brush your teeth <laughs> and, uh, you know, you have to kind of get yourself up and get going and take care of a human being. And I think, you know, it's, it definitely sleep is a huge, huge, huge component of this. And I don't want to say that it isn't because it really is. I've gone through it too. There's like the third night I'm not sleeping well. I'm a zombie, can't think, can't like have proper conversations or having conversations that I've already had. <laughs> I remember telling my husband a conversation and be like, you know, da 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 da. And he's like, you just told me that like 10 minutes ago. I'm like, really? <laughs> I don't remember that conversation. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's super important here to be looking at, you know, are you getting enough? first of all, vitamin D, really, really important for energy, right? Um, depending on when you've had this baby, whatever month you're in, like looking at vitamin D levels, like it's extremely important. The second thing I would say is iron status. So we were talking mm -hmm. about that a little bit before, even depending on like what happened in labor, if you lost a lot of blood, you probably, your iron levels are probably extremely low. And so really important to be taking a look at iron and either supplementing or eat, eating enough protein. So depending on where you are there. And I think the third thing I would say um, would be the most important is looking at thyroid function because it can really change in postpartum. Um, so those would be the three things that I'd be looking at in terms of checking a lab work. And then the fourth thing is adrenal fatigue, right? Our, our cortisol and our stress, because that can really, really impact um, our energy throughout the day and how we're functioning. Um, so that being said, I mean, really checking in, in terms of your diet to see what you're eating. I know for a fact in my postpartum, I was eating way more sugar and carbohydrates than I've probably ever eaten. <laughs> Uh, or even, no, I don't know if I would say that actually, because in my teenage years, there was a lot of sugar there, but definitely more than I, you know, remember eating re recently. And I remember in September, we, in um, my PCOS awareness group, we did a sugar, five day sugar-free cleanse. And honestly, that like literally changed my energy. I was so much better after taking that sugar and I know like in postpartum we do kind of eat our emotions because there's so much going on you're learning so much and everything's changing all the time so I would really check into like sugar consumption and considering a detox for that as well mm. uh, yeah. and I think 
think that that really brings a good point to maybe let's go like back a little bit and say yeah. what really is happening postpartum PCOS because I think things yeah. like you know fatigue and sleep deprivation well that's just kind of like consistent across Everybody. all yeah <laughs> right so so when it comes to PCOS what's actually happening postpartum why might we get a backlash of some other of these other symptoms like weight gain and uh, you know, or more, maybe struggle to lose weight, um, hirsutism, facial and body hair growth, acne, yeah. hair loss, when it's like yeah. the more androgenic hair loss, um, sugar cravings, carb cravings. What's what's going on here that is different to other people? Yeah, so I would say, honestly, it all comes back to insulin resistance. You know, mm. if you had insulin resistance before you got pregnant and insulin resistance in pregnancy and it wasn't necessarily treated at that point um, and then in postpartum now you know hormones are changing and the insulin resistance is still there or coming back or getting worse um, those are like the things that I would be considering is how is her insulin resistance what is going on there right um, because if we have an imbalance between insulin and glucose that is definitely going to impact your fatigue throughout the day right if blood sugar is not stable you are going to be tired 100% if you're not eating enough protein healthy fats lots of fiber in terms of our fruits and veggies um, our energy is just going to be really down and um, that would be the number one thing I'd be looking at too like you said like this is really 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 important for PCOS yeah. And why is that? Why why does blood sugar like affect our energy levels so much? Well, when we have these like highs and lows of blood sugar, that can really that's what really impacts the energy levels in our body. So if we're at this constant state of stable glucose throughout the day where it's not being impacted by, you know, the things that we're eating, um, then it's better that way. And for example, if we ate something like um white rice with a little bit of um you know protein well that white rice is going to spike the blood sugar and the blood sugar is going to drop and you're going to feel like you're crashing energy is crashing and that in itself like if that's happening throughout the day and you're eating like small meals here or there or just snacking throughout the day can you imagine like what's going to happen with that blood sugar like every hour on the hour it's going to be um up and down throughout the whole day you're going to feel like you're dragging yourself Mm. and um, call it the yeah. sugar roller coaster exactly the sugar, sugar roller coaster yeah that's exactly sugar. how you it's like literally you get it in and that's the problem is if you get on it on the start of the day that it's so hard to get off right like because it's going up and then coming crashing down and then your body is driving you to go and find these sugary exactly. or carby generally high carb high fat foods to try and bring yeah. that like blood sugar back up and so you're going to have those sugar cravings you're going to have carb cravings you're going to have low fat like low energy and fatigue yeah. and and your body's going to go you know what makes you feel good sugar or exactly. like carbohydrates right so it's so exactly. it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy and same thing when we've got sleep deprivation that's also what our body wants us to do right yeah, we definitely eat more carbohydrates if we haven't slept properly. It's, it's in the studies too, in the research. And the other thing I would say too is if there's lots of stress here, you know, um, stress and anxiety, that can also trigger like our cravings for carbohydrates and sweets. So really checking in um, for yourself, what can you do to help calm your nervous system down? Whether that's going for a walk with the baby, going to see friends, like, whatever it is that can really help calm your nervous system down, try to do those things at least once a day, because that will also help the cravings. Yeah. Good. Really good point. The one, the other thing too, that we, so we've kind of talked about a little bit about fatigue as a symptom and then gone back and talked about what's really driving this. So we've talked about um, insulin resistance being one of the big parts, but if someone's not insulin resistant, um, but they have high stress hormones, that can also get worse, a lot worse uh, postpartum or and even during pregnancy, right? Because pregnancy can be a really like stressful mm-hmm. time, especially okay. especially the time that we had babies, which was in like the middle of the pandemic still. I mean, like, although it is still the pandemic now, I mean, we're, we're having a massive resurgence of COVID in New Zealand. Um, mm-hmm. But 
Like, you know, like my partner couldn't, was not allowed to come to one single scan or, or appointment with me the entire pregnancy. Right. So it's like, it can be a really stressful time generally, like as well when we've got a global pandemic happening. Yeah. 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 I think stress is a huge component here, especially for women with PCOS, we just know that there's more mood disorders when it comes to PCOS in terms of depression and anxiety, right? So, and we are more prone to postpartum depression as well. Um, And this is mainly due to the fact that, um, you know, changes in things like progesterone, for example, can really impact this. Um, And yeah, if if you're experiencing postpartum depression um, or any mood disorders, like definitely get um, some help because you know progesterone can be really helpful here um, mm. we talk a lot about progesterone but um, yeah I just wanted to throw that out there because it's really important to be looking at hormones too especially in postpartum yeah that's a really good point because obviously during pregnancy we've had this constantly high amounts of estrogen and progesterone the whole way through pregnancy right and then I think it's the drop in estrogen postpartum is in it's like it's it's an insane amount it's up in the thousands of yeah. percent right it's pretty uh, a sharp drop especially with progesterone too mm. um, and that's and if you're prone to lack of like low levels of progesterone before you get pregnant uh, you take maybe you take progesterone in the first trimester you feel good then your progesterone you know is great throughout all of pregnancy all of a sudden if you get this drop in progesterone that can trigger things like postpartum depression um, and you know it can impact things like energy levels and things like that as well mm. and also it, it can impact PCOS symptoms too right because progesterone exactly. is one of the best antidotes to testosterone and if we suddenly have low progesterone especially if your cycles don't come back for a long time that yeah. you're not going to be getting any progesterone because you're not ovulating then there's no test there's no progesterone to really counteract the testosterone and that can cause um, a backlash of acne or like hirsutism um compounded with other things that are going on like we talked about the stress and the insulin resistance as well yeah so if the testosterone you know kind of shoots back up for you you're starting to see the the hirsutism like you're saying the acne uh, very likely that testosterone has come back and there's not enough progesterone there because you're you know you're in postpartum and you're not making all that progesterone that you were in pregnancy so really important to also take a look at testosterone there too and evaluate the cycles depending on um, you know if you're breastfeeding or not and if the cycle comes back um, it can be very variable even in PCOS like patients can get their period back even while they're breastfeeding or when they're weaning so um, you know I think a lot of people ask this question like why isn't my period back well I guess the number one question is a are you breastfeeding because if you are breastfeeding it's possible that the period won't come back Mm. but even if you are breastfeeding you can get a period back too so just keep that in mind you can ovulate while you're breastfeeding Um, and they actually say for some women with PCOS that um, because they've had this massive exposure to progesterone that it can also help their progesterone um, in in and after pregnancy and we do see that in some women with PCOS that their testosterone actually comes and levels out a little bit um, because of the fact that they are now able to make that progesterone the body sees the progesterone there and is able to kind of counteract it like you're saying um, and make sure the symptoms kind of come down from that too so Mm -hmm. yeah I think like while we should like you know cover the fact that like testosterone can go high it it is also possible for testosterone to level out and come down too yeah I would say that I definitely see um in patients where they've had more of a post pill type PCOS where they um they it's they struggle to get their periods back after coming off the pill but it wasn't uh they didn't show any signs of PCOS before going on the pill that they really benefit from pregnancy that the pregnant the exposure to the estrogen and especially the progesterone during pregnancy um, means that they're a lot more likely to have regular cycles come back afterwards yeah. and I think this is why like it was really interesting we we got a um, Instagram message yesterday actually from someone saying oh I've been told by my doctor that pregnancy basically cures PCOS that when you when you mm. like postpartum everything kind of levels out and I um I sent her back all of the messages that we've got of people that that didn't happen I said 
that can happen, but it also might not as well. So just to give you both sides of the story. And I think that's really good to point out that it can make it better, but it also doesn't always for everybody. So if, and I think that's the thing is if you've been told that it's going to get better, it's going to basically cure your PCOS. And then suddenly you have all these backlash of symptoms and this can be really distressing. Exactly. Yeah, I really don't know if it can cure PCOS. No, definitely not. <laughs> but you know what people get told, like, it's yeah, like, for oh, sure. you, you know, like, all oh, your PCOS no. symptoms will disappear, and it's like, no, you're, you know, like, no. we still, still have to work on it, right? Yeah. Like, we still have to work <laughs> on the diet and the exercise. Um, yeah, and I think honestly, it is a good reminder to like get your body moving, you know, like get those vegetables and healthy fats and protein back in your diet. If you've been, you know, in postpartum and struggling, like see if you can get some help, get a meal service, or even just try to like meal plan for yourself. Because honestly, diet is such a huge, huge, huge part of um, feeling better and balancing out the hormones when it comes to PCOS. Is there anything else that, you do with patients to help them get their cycles back if they're not breastfeeding. So we're kind of saying that pretty much anyone that's breastfeeding, it is likely that they are, that's being naturally suppressed by their body, especially if they're exclusively breastfeeding. Although I see it when people, even when they're not exclusively breastfeeding as well, again, as you said before, periods can come back if you're exclusively breastfeeding. It's not a, um, some bodies do things differently. But one thing that I would look at if someone is not exclusively breastfeeding, but their periods haven't returned, is energy levels. And just mm -hmm. that you're, because your body wants to know that there's energy available to grow another baby as well as do all the things you're doing at the moment. And if you're mm -hmm. not eating enough, like then it's going to say, why would I want to bring a baby into the world if like, I don't even have enough energy to like provide you with energy like I don't even have enough like calories to provide you with energy and, and that's something we probably didn't talk about in the fatigue as well mm. is like are you eating enough and are you yeah. drinking enough too are you mm. are you not just drinking enough water but are you taking some electrolytes to try and replace especially if you're breastfeeding because breastfeeding mm. obviously requires a lot more water and so taking a good electrolyte with your um with your well with some water like once a day mm -hmm. I, I found anyway when I was breastfeeding was really really helpful yeah that's great yeah honestly I've never been this thirsty in my life <laughs> <laughs> my husband's like you need more water I thought you just drank water like I know it's just like all I need is water just give me all the water that's all I need <laughs> uh, it's so good though it, like honestly that is a big part of fatigue too just like not drinking enough water not remembering and I think you know it's easier said than done if you have help and there's somebody there like constantly reminding you like it's a little bit different story but um you know when you're feeding baby or if you know um always just I remember telling my husband like when this baby comes what I need you to do is just always make sure I have water beside me and he's like okay because <laughs> it's such a huge huge component of breastfeeding and postpartum like making sure you're hydrated every single cell in your body needs water so you know we want to be making sure we're hydrated as possible and if there's someone there out there that close by at home with you, get them to remind you because sometimes it's some, it's such an easy thing to forget. Mm, yeah. yeah. Was there any things that you did to help with it apart from obviously getting your husband to get you water, which is a really good, a really good tip. Um, and I just had like drink bottles dotted around the place, especially in the mm. chairs that I would normally feed it. So that mm. when I was feeding, there was always kind of one, one there. Um, yeah. That was like, um, like I think for me like um I always had a glass like ready right when I woke up in the morning mm -hmm. so it'd be like okay I'm gonna get up I'm gonna like go to the washroom drink my glass of water and start the day and honestly I wish I did that even before pregnancy <laughs> postpartum because it just like makes a huge difference and I think I'm gonna keep that with me for the rest of my life honestly um and then even every meal like making sure I was drinking water and then like any single time I go outside there's a water bottle with me or in my hand in the like stroller like somewhere close by so that I know like I have somewhere to something to drink and then 
even just making mental notes of like all the stores that I go to, like which one has a water fountain. Because <laughs> honestly, like sometimes you drink all the water and you're like, oh my gosh, where's the water? I need more water. And um, I think just constantly thinking about it is what's helped me and just getting reminders from other people. Mm, yeah, yeah, really good idea. Yeah. So that's um, when we're talking about you know, energy levels and stuff. I think that's a really important one. And then going back to returning your cycles, we were talking about the making sure that you're actually eating enough. So I think that this is a really crucial one. I think that often when we're, especially in the early stages of postpartum, it can be so hard to have any time to eat. You know, you feel like you're just constantly yeah. feeding them and then changing them and then putting them down. And um, and so it can be really hard to have enough time to make yourself a like something to eat. Um, so checking in on that and saying like, really, like how much am I eating? Some days, I mean, it could just be like, like noting it down on a piece of paper or on your like notes on your phone when you're feeding or something like that, just noting down what am I eating and then do a bit, bit of a, like a tally up of how much actually is that? Because you might be quite surprised that it could easily be like 1600 calories, which is far too little for what you need to like feed and recover postpartum because I think that's the other thing too it's not just about breastfeeding because not everybody breastfeeds but you are literally repairing a dinner plate size hole in your abdomen from where the placenta um, came off so there is and then you know for me I was repairing after a c-section repairing like all of that yeah. muscle and tissue and nerves yeah. like yeah. The extra energy required from that is enormous and yeah. also your nutrient levels to repair all that as well right like we've got to have all of our nutrients all of the iron all of the yeah. b vitamins all of the magnesium and copper and zinc and like selenium and all of these essential cofactors that we need to actually repair these muscle tissues yeah. and um and also help our brain i think what's what was surprising to me i went to a um a lecture the other week by Professor Julia Rutledge, who is um, one of the leading professors in the world for uh, why micronutrients are so important for brain health. And she was saying that your brain consumes up to 40% of the nutrients that you have in your body, 40% of what you have. And so if you have higher nutrient requirements so say you have something like postpartum anxiety depression or say you just have a lot of learning to do because you are learning how this new baby works and how you're going to work and all of the thinking that requires that you know that goes along with that your nutrient levels are probably going to be much higher just in the all of the thinking work that you need to mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. it's so true I feel like I'm thinking way more than I've ever like had to think before <laughs> everything's so new but yeah honestly like our brain is made up of mostly fats right mm -hmm. and if I was to tell somebody like how to support my your brain health is make sure you're eating healthy fats every mm -hmm. single day every single meal probably in every single snack yeah if you're eating a snack yeah and honestly, after this, I'm going to go eat some nuts because mm. it's so true. And I, I've been making lots of salads recently. I've been on, um, you know, uh, just like a raw salad kick instead of uh, roasted veggies. Um, uh, I don't know why, but I know it'll change soon because it's winter's you know, very close coming up over here, but in Canada, but honestly fats are so important right if there's one thing that i would say in terms of hormone health too because all hormones come from cholesterol if you can make sure at least like it's super easy to just get you know a few nuts every single meal handful of nuts nuts and seeds drizzling hemp seeds over top of your meals um maybe doing like if you're eating like oatmeal with um chia seeds hemp seeds flax ground flax seeds like something like that would be really helpful too it's a very easy to just stick that together with some um, milk or whatever uh, alternative milk that you're using um you know and i think fats are super important here if i was thinking of like a mac more like a macronutrient but even you know in terms of micronutrients having a good quality prenatal in postpartum is even important to be talking about here i think um, if you're mm -hmm. not getting it through food i know sometimes it can be difficult so if you aren't really consider a prenatal and even if you are consider a prenatal especially yeah. if you're breastfeeding a prenatal should be there 
Um, and even if you're not breastfeeding, like you said, we're still recovering and um, supporting our body from uh, pregnancy and uh, labor. And so making sure that um, there's some kind of micronutrient supplement or formula there can be really helpful, especially for energy, right? And especially yeah. to support our um, hormone health, even the androgen symptoms um, and a hair loss, especially. I know we were talking about that a little bit. Um, obviously, we can't control the amount of hair that we're losing because of um, the natural phase that hair will go through in um, pregnancy. We're in this growth phase of hair. Um, and then in postpartum, that hair has to go into um, the death phase where it starts to shed. So there isn't much that we can do for the shedding phase um, in terms of hair loss, but we can help to support um, um, our hair with, you know, nutrients in general. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. think that's a really good part, point to bring up is that because I do see so much misinformation out there to women who are struggling with postpartum hair loss, things like telling them not to brush their hair or wash it as often. That's just really bad advice because the hair is dead already, right? It's when it's going to fall out in the shower, it's not that it was live. And just because you've washed your hair, it suddenly like dies and fall out. It was, it was gone before the shower. So just like not washing or brushing it does not help at all. And, and I think that that can really cause a lot of people anxiety because they think, oh my gosh, am I brushing it too much? Yeah. Am I doing something? It's nothing exactly. that you're doing. It was the fact that during pregnancy, your hair was in a growth phase hair has to go through these growth dormant and then like death phases and it's just yeah. that you are in a hair death phase at the moment and that's just yeah. the way it is but the good thing about that is it is going to grow back it's not like the androgenic alopecia in PCOS that is much harder to return exactly. to normal like levels right that's exactly. that's different to what we're talking about here I don't know if you can see Sabina but I've got this like delightful little yeah. curly fringe going yeah. on here <laughs> Look at my baby hairs. I actually told my husband the other day, oh, look, I'm having baby. I'm getting some baby hairs. <laughs> <laughs> but so. I went through lots of hair loss in postpartum. Um, yeah, I was shocked. I was like, wow, this is, I no wonder this is scary. Because mm. even to myself, I was like, is this normal? Is this supposed to happen? I was questioning it myself. The person who tells people this is very normal now questioning myself is this actually normal and I remember even going to the hairdresser being like I lost it all and it was like your hair is like very thick and it, like, it just feels like you're just gonna lose it all and um I finally got to experience like what other people go through and I I get it like it is scary you question it because you're like why is all this hair coming out but it just makes logical sense. And it will, like you said, grow back and it, it is going to be okay. It's not like androgenic alopecia, but it is scary for sure. Mm, definitely. So I think the, the the correct advice is that you can't do, necessarily do anything like not brushing it to stop it. But the one thing you can do is make sure that you've got good nutrient levels, especially iron. So we mentioned this earlier when it comes to fatigue, but I think that iron is like super important. I know because I always sit quite, my iron sits quite high. I'm in the, almost the category of iron overload. Mm. So my ferritin going into pregnancy was about 120 without supplementing. Mm. So I was sort of a bit cautious that I like might always stay high. And so I didn't supplement with any iron, but I was regularly checking it. And so by week 20, my iron had gone down to, my ferritin had gone down to 40. So I'd used like, over almost what 80 70 to 80 units of ferritin in the first 20 weeks right and so I started with a very high 120 is a very high ferritin like most people would be could often be starting pregnancy at a ferritin of 40 very easily and so you can very easily get iron like depleted during pregnancy and that that yeah yeah baby <laughs> placenta needs it blood needs exactly. it everything needs it and and also to it can be really hard for that to restore postpartum so mm. um and your your hair needs it your hair really needs yeah. iron and your thyroid needs iron too so yeah. that's that's one thing that you mentioned previously is to get your yeah. thyroid checked because it um postpartum is is it i i have a feeling i read somewhere that it's the most common time for women to develop thyroid issues yeah it really is it's like Any? this massive change in our body and we can develop hypothyroidism there. So it's actually really important. 
or postpartum thyroiditis. So really important to get checked, especially if you're feeling tired, you're gaining weight, the weight's not coming off. If you're feeling like you're dragging yourself throughout the day, um, you might think it is sleep deprivation, but honestly, it's super important to get your thyroid tested if you're feeling that way. Yeah, good idea. Um, so the last things we've talked about, the, you know, just to wrap, wrap up the kind of, if your periods aren't returning, um, yeah. is the the main thing would be that, you know, if you are exclusively breastfeeding, that's probably quite normal. If you don't, if you do want that to return though, you could look at using micronized progesterone, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I know that a lot of people, they're like, I still want to breastfeed. I still want to breastfeed, but I also want to get pregnant again. And I, and they feel like they have to stop breastfeeding in order to get their periods back. So that could be a really good way of, does it, does the taking progesterone affect breast milk supply at all? It can. Yeah, it can. Yeah. So um, what I usually say is when they're on the progesterone to monitor mm-hmm. breast milk supply, um, see like how baby is doing as well with that. And if supply dips a little bit too low, maybe it's not a good idea to continue mm. the progesterone. Yeah. Um, and obviously, because we want to, you know, make sure the baby's getting enough, that's the number one priority. Um, but also, you know, the other thing, it really is a personal decision here, right? Uh, maybe you supplement um, if you want to get pregnant again soon after, or, um, you know, or you decide that you want to. Um, stop the progesterone and continue the breastfeeding and just see how like things kind of progress it also depends on what stage the baby's at if they're eating solids yet or what's going on so lots of options lots of things to consider there Um, but definitely an option if um, you don't have periods and you want them back and you you are breastfeeding yeah absolutely so I I co-fed the whole way with breast and formula fed because I had really low supply. Um, We still don't know why that was. I didn't experience a lot of breast tissue change during pregnancy and postpartum, which was a risk factor. I've talked about breast, like why people with PCOS may have experienced low breast milk supply and things like that on a different podcast. So I will make sure I link that as well. Um, But yeah, so I... um, I'm definitely one that has not mm. exclusively breastfed and, um, and and that worked actually worked really well for me. I think that, I mean, again, I had to really surrender to that, that that was out of my control, even though I did all the things that I could. Um, but that was just, that was just the, the, the way that it went for me. And, um, and yeah, it, it also had some, some benefits as well in terms of that. It meant that, you know, Scott could feed, um, Florence a little bit as well and well a lot you know and that I was able to you know get a few more hours sleep in the night because we could share the the yeah. nighttime feeds too Maybe. which was yeah, exactly. yeah really really Sometimes these things are meant to be for us you know yeah. that's just what it's supposed to be and that's yeah, okay absolutely yeah. but it was hard as like a nutritionist I mean the whole everything I've heard my entire career training is that like breast is best so it was really hard for me to actually surrender to that and say you don't have control over this one and and actually see that um well what the research is currently showing is that it's actually not that bad formula you know formula is actually a really good alternative um where it's needed I mean there's lots of benefits of breastfeeding but there is also lots of benefits um when that's not an option or where you don't choose that to be an option so it's it's, well, yeah. you're also in a very good country that creates probably one of the best formulas, uh, <laughs> right? Because in Canada here, there's not very many good uh, options, I would say, in terms of formula. But, um, you know, like we said, it's an option. It's sometimes mm-hmm. needed and it's okay. It's yeah. really okay. Yeah. Absolutely. On my side, my baby um, hasn't taken the bottle yet. So that's been a very interesting experience. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, she's like two, she just knows the difference and which is fair, like it's pretty obvious what the difference is, breast versus mm-hmm. a bottle. But um, so there's a whole other, like, you know, exclusively breastfeeding is hard too. It's very, it's always, you always have to be there on demand, ready to go for this baby. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think so either way, definitely, you know, the whole experience comes with challenges and I, again, I think um, 
I think someone had asked me like, what's your experience been in postpartum? And I think the best way to sum it up, it's honestly the best job with the least amount of training because <laughs> you just walk into it and like no one trains you on this and like you just have to do it and you just have to figure it out and you do you do eventually figure it out but you know you, we don't really get training on how to do this that and the other and you just kind of roll with the punches so if whatever your journey is out there know that someone else is probably experiencing the exact same thing and it's perfectly fine and normal and this baby will be perfectly okay absolutely <laughs> yeah. absolutely and yeah. now it's a matter of doing what you can to get yourself feeling better if, if you're not feeling great postpartum um so to sort of i think we've kind of gone through all those main things that yeah people were asking about was about the the fatigue and getting cycles back and weight and um and also like those androgen symptoms like the backlash of acne and hirsutism again it's all due to whatever is really driving your PCOS at the start has probably been a bit exacerbated because pretty much everything that drives PCOS insulin resistance stress thyroid inflammation mm -hmm. we didn't really talk too much about inflammation mm -hmm. but um I mean, this could is be the next podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it could be. All of those things are really ramped up postpartum and can be exacerbated by things like, well, all of them can be exacerbated by lack of sleep, by um, low micronutrients, especially like low vitamin D, low iron, um, all of your B vitamins as well that your body and brain are burning through and all the other micronutrients that are really important. They can all be exacerbated by... Um, you know, uh, sort of food choices that might not be or, or might be necessary because of the lack of time and lack of um, more time that you have to prepare, but they might not be optimal and potentially also just lack of, um, although I, I feel like personally movement has been higher postpartum because, mm. oh my God, the amount of blocks I walked in the middle of the night trying to, well, not the middle of the night, but certainly in the dark trying to get her to sleep was like, <laughs> insane all of my neighbors like knew me very well by the end of like the first few months because I she loved movement and so it was a really easy way to like yeah, get her to sleep sure. and that was yeah. that was great so I don't know about you but I felt like movement's been more and also too just just the physicality of being a mother like you're up down off the floor you know whether it's changing them playing with them you know helping like reading to them while you're lying there you're kind of up and down a lot there's not a lot of just sort of I found anyway not as much sort of um sitting apart from when you're yeah when you're feeding definitely not a lot of sitting this is the most yeah. I've sat today yeah. <laughs> with you yeah. definitely yeah. lots of walking and um lifting even just carrying her yeah I'm yeah. doing weightlifting exercise the whole day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So I think that's one thing like to, if you can, you know, that, that can be an easy thing to prioritize postpartum mm. as well. Um, and, and just kind of embracing that side, and especially if the other things are a little bit like not as optimal. Um, but yeah, those are kind of all the things that can, can be really affected postpartum. And so it's just a matter of maybe like picking one or two things that you can mm -hmm. start with. Don't overwhelm yourself, I think is probably another really good message yeah. because they're like, you've got limited time anyway. So if you were working with a patient and you were trying to devise a bit of a program for them to get, you know, to help them feel better, what would be the one or two things that you would try and get them to focus on? say I mean it's very dependent on what the driver is but say it was insulin was the driver what would be the the one or two things that you would prioritize oh that's a good question um my brain is like da -da 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 -da, like running a mile a minute because there's so much we can do for insulin resistance but I think the number one thing is movement so getting mm -hmm. our body moving, the more our body moves, the more muscles are going to work, the more the glucose is going to get inside the muscle cells and outside of the bloodstream, which is where we want it to be inside the muscle cells is where we want it to be. So movement, I think would be number one. Um, and then obviously diet, you know, we talked a lot about diet today, um, making sure you get enough fat, protein and veggies. Um, and I'm just going to add a third one in if I can, but um, <laughs> 
honestly, even just the myronositol, mm. right? Because we are very deficient in that when it comes to PCOS. And so mm -hmm. it can really help the insulin resistance. It can help mood. It can help. Um, I mean, it can, those are the two biggest things I would say is the insulin resistance and mood, especially in postpartum. Yeah. Oh, and it can also help reduce testosterone symptoms. So yeah, yeah lots of benefits to myonositol in postpartum. Or if we had to cho choose, the other one we could choose is vitamin D um, because yeah. again, super important for insulin resistance and mood and like inflammation and every everything energy. else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Energy, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Very good. I think, thank you so much for all of your wisdom and experience and you're sharing your personal experience too because I know that it is, it's so helpful when you just hear other people and you hear, especially someone, as you said before, like, I'm a practitioner and even I was, I tell people all the time, don't worry about this hair loss. It's normal. And yet like I was still concerned about it. And I think that that is yeah. such a good thing for people to hear. It's like, I'm not being irrational. This is like, exactly. th this is scary what I'm going through. And, and, but also to hear that it is okay. It is, it is going to grow back and that's fine. Um, is also a really good message to hear. So thank you for sharing that personal experience. No problem. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me again. This is such a great topic. I'm so glad I'm able to now come and talk about postpartum and, you know, my experience with it, because I think it's going to help a lot of women out there normalize some of these experiences and even just normalize the fact that, you know, eating, sleeping, brushing your teeth, drinking water, all the foundations of health just get kind of put to the side because, you know, it's, it's hard. And um, hopefully this is a reminder to you to kind of check back in with yourself and, uh, you know, get back on track a little bit. Yeah. And that, that it's okay to prioritize yourself a little bit, although we've talked about, you know, that yeah. they are so important and enjoying them is, is important, but also giving yourself the time to just do the basic fundamentals of health is also um, your, your right, your prerogative to do that too. So exactly. don't feel guilty by prioritizing yourself too. Yeah. Good. Thank you so much, Samina. Thank you so much. Now stand by for our disclaimer. The information contained in this podcast has been prepared for the purpose of providing information, including about the PCOS Nutritionist products and services, and is designed to support clients' overall wellness. It is not intended to provide medical advice or designed to rectify, treat, or cure any specific medical conditions or diseases. Nothing stated or shared in our podcast is intended to be and must not be taken to be medical advice. Please seek the advice of professionals as appropriate regarding the evaluation of any specific information, opinion, advice or content contained in our podcast.